got this prayer book from Dan Stern, and he gave it to me at Unleavened Bread, and I didn't touch it until the Feast of Trumpets, because it only has two sections, Trumpets and Atonement, that's it. So I found a lot of quotes here, and you know, we read about a lot of the sages, but maybe we never looked into their work or whatever, and... I found this one quote here, and I think it goes great uh, with this message, and I want to read it. It's from Maimonides. You might have heard of him uh, from the 12th century. It says, Do not imagine that character is determined at birth. We have been given free will. Any person can become as righteous as Moses or as wicked as Jeroboam. We ourselves decide whether to make ourselves learned or ignorant, compassionate or cruel, generous or miserly. No one forces us, no one decides for us, no one drags us along one path or the other. We ourselves, by our own volition, choose our own way. That is a true statement. And when we read the Torah and it tells us to guide the children in the way that they should go, ultimately it's their choice. It's their choice, just like us. We chose to be here. And so you got to have your swords ready because I don't have any slides for you. I gave Lucas a break. (laughs) And so uh, Brother Randy Demet, he gets a break. Twice, right? And so it's great. The elders get a break. I love it. Um, Whenever I'm able to take over for you and give you a break, I like that because I think that's something that, you know, some people are are good at. So Hebrews 3.13, if you follow us uh, on the Zoom, we did a study. Uh, We finished up Hebrews chapter 13. And if you go into our archives, you will find a sermon there called The Deceitfulness of Sin. Sure enough, um, I wanted to focus on the phrase there, the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3.13 reads, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And as you heard before, Sin is our mortal enemy. Sin will ultimately take us out. But for some, there's a promise that you will wake up when you hear that trumpet sound. And that's what we want to hear. We want to hear that trumpet sound. In order for us to hear that trumpet sound, we have to do certain things in this life in order to get to that situation. When that trumpet sound, some will not hear it. So... I figured I would squeeze this in in between atonement and the uh, first day of tabernacles. You may have, maybe you heard, you had somebody uh, tell you during this month, as a matter of fact, you don't have to keep those feasts. Maybe in your lifetime, maybe in your walk, somebody has told you this. Maybe a certain minister himself might have told you that's Oh, that's Jewish. You don't have to do any of that. And so this is kind of directed, you know, to that situation. 
And so as we read there, it says, but exhort one another daily. That's, we're told to encourage one another daily. We, we just read Hebrews 10.25, right? What does it say? It says, don't forget to fellowship regularly because what happens? I find this pretty interesting that it says, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Well, so what happens? You mean that if we don't regularly encourage one another, we can go backwards? I think that's what they're saying, if I'm reading it right. The word hardened there, if you have your RSB, the word hardened there is 4645, scleru, scleruno in the Greek from 4642. To indurate, that is figuratively render stubborn. To harden. We read there in the Torah, Yahweh says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. What did he do? He gave him 10 chances to repent. So did Abba make him stubborn? No. The man was stubborn himself. And so Abba gave him the chances. I want to key in on, the, on that phrase, deceitfulness. At the end of the verse, deceitfulness is 539 in the Greek. You might recognize the word apate from 538, apatao, maybe the word apathetic. To cheat, beguile, deceive. Noah Webster's uh, 28, 1828 edition defines this word as tendency to mislead or deceive as the deceitfulness of sin. The quality of being fraudulent as the deceitfulness of man's practices. We see a lot of that going on today. The disposition to deceive as a man's deceitfulness may be habitual. We know people that are habitual liars. They don't like to tell the truth on a regular basis. So where does this come from? Well, we can easily go back to the dragon or snake Deceiving himself first, thinking he could be like Yahweh. And then he comes up on the scene in the garden and he deceives Eve. And so this is what happens. Uh, we talked about this in one of the studies too. Um, if you're fairly new to this, a lot of times you might go to the wrong source looking for truth. We always go to the word. If you have a study Bible, you go right to the definitions as we did here. You look up the context in which it is used. Right? Now, most of us have heard that saying. I don't know about you. Uh, you ever heard that saying? He, Yahweh, he knows my heart. I don't know if you ever heard that before. Somebody's, you're trying to correct somebody and they say, oh, he, he knows my heart. Well, what does Jeremiah say in 17.9? If you notice, you might know this verse by heart. I kind of have that verse underlined, Jeremiah 17.9. You all know where I'm going with this. Jeremiah 17.9. It talks about the same situation when somebody tells you this. You know, we looked up the definition in the Greek. 
Jeremiah 17, 9. I have this underline. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So when you tell somebody, Yahweh knows my heart, and then I go to that scripture, and it says that the heart is deceitful above all things, what does that mean? In the Hebrew 61.17, you look up that word deceitful right there from Jeremiah. It's uh, in the original sense, a no as a swelling up. In the denominative sense, transitively fraudulent. Or intransitively trapped, crooked, deceitful, polluted, fraudulent. The same thing as the Greek. Sin is like a fraud. It's like a fake. A lot of us, we've been dealing with sin for a long, long time. We've been trying to overcome problems, issues. A lot of them, they creep back up. Have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed when you got a handle on a certain issue, on a certain problem, you know, you get proud, right? You think, Yahweh, yes, I finally, I overcame this. All out of nowhere, here comes another issue that you have to deal with. So you have to stay on top of things, you know? We can't get relaxed. I remember one time asking Yahweh, don't ever let me feel like I'm truly satisfied in the walk, like I made it, like I got it made already. And trust me, you know, he's, he's answered that because a lot of issues, they just continue to come back up. Let's look at one, one issue that maybe some of us deal with over in the book of James. Go to the book of James in chapter 1. Interesting, we were trying to pick a book, and James was like right next door to Hebrews. <laughs> James chapter 1, verses 19. We get insight. This man was the Messiah's half-brother. He was there on the scene. Probably was one of the ones making fun of him in the beginning, uh, as it says there in John chapter 7. But then he come around, and Abba blessed this man and his says that he used to have camel knees from praying so much. James chapter 1, verse 19, and we'll take 19 and 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of Elohim. So this is one type of sin. You and I get angry. We get furious, right? Somebody tries to disrespect maybe somebody in your family or they disrespect the word of Yahweh, you know, or maybe they disrespect your faith, your beliefs. Well, another thing is today is the Shabbat and it's a day to rejoice. Uh, contrary to popular belief, this is a feast day. It just happens that when we're not in the seasons, this is all we got. So we, this is a weekly feast. Well, it's not a time to be debating scriptures when we're supposed to be rejoicing. Sometimes this happens, and we have to deal with it. Now, Ephesians 4.26, it tells us, be angry, but do not sin. Sometimes it's easier said than done, right? You get into an argument with someone and 
you know, the tempers flare, you say stuff you don't mean. Well, it tells us there that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of Elohim. And so, you talk about the deceitfulness of sin. It creeps up when you least expect it. Interesting, we read Matthew chapter 5, right? We read Matthew chapter 5 for the evangel. Let's go back there, and we'll double, double check on this here. Matthew 5. Whenever Abba gives us the same scripture, the same chapter of a book or whatever, twice, three times, that means that he wants us to put emphasis on these things. So we went through James, and it tells us we have to be calm, we have to be collective, especially when speaking, especially when teaching the word of Yahweh, because we can easily mislead somebody, or they could take something that we say out of context. It happens a lot in the social media, especially with people that don't know us personally. Matthew 5, verse 29. Matthew 5, verse 29, we just... uh, Heard this a little bit ago. It says, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, or not that thy whole body should be cast into Gehenna. We read the same thing in Matthew 18 9. So Yahshua repeats this again for emphasis. Matthew 18 9. And if thy if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into Gehenna fire. We read it again in the book of Mark 9.47. If you want to write these down, Matthew 5.29. We got Matthew 18.9 and Mark 9.47. Good to have... Two, three witnesses. That's how a matter is established, the scripture says. Matthew, or Mark 9, 47. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of Elohim with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into the Gehenna fire. You ask, what does this have to do with anything? Is this literal? Imagine a lot of us would be walking around blind. Because Yahshua said, pluck it out if it offends you. Well, he's talking about things in our life that cause us, you know, to come up short of the glory of Yahweh. If I have certain issues, like I had to deal with certain people, they don't agree with us about the doctrine. Why am I going to keep on wasting my time arguing with this person? Right? If I have a hot temper... People get under my skin. I got to find ways to, you know, navigate that situation, right? So we have these scriptures. They tell us to encourage one another lest we get deceived through the fraud of sin. So we need constant communication with one another. Some use the logic that Abba knows their heart, but Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful, so you cannot... Put your trust. You cannot always say, oh, you know, I'll trust what my heart tells me. You cannot do that. Go to Almighty Yahweh. Speak to, you know, people that have experience, right? 
And then James tells us that the wrath of man does not accomplish the will of Yahweh. Some of us have had to learn that the hard way. A lot of times we just have to keep quiet in certain situations because we know that if we blow up, we're not going to do a good job at promoting Yahweh's kingdom. Didn't we see that when uh, Yahshua was with two of the apostles there? And I guess he didn't want to go to Samaria and they got upset or they didn't want to let him stay there. And they said, oh, let's rain down fire on those people. And Yahshua said, calm down, you know. I'm here to save, not to destroy. And so sometimes our temper will get the best of us. Why? Well, because that's what sin does. It looks good. It feels good. We want to, you know, impose our will in certain situations, right? And finally, Yahshua tells us to remove anything that offends his father Yahweh. He was using that Hebrew Aramaic, that that descriptive language where you think he's saying something literal, but he's giving you a message that you can understand and you know, Nicodemus asked Yahshua once, he was talking to him about being born from above. He said, how can this be? And so, you know, atonement was similar to unleavened bread in that we remove sin. I don't know if you noticed that. Unleavened bread, we get rid of, symbolically, we get rid of the crumbs that are laying around, right? It's literal, but it's also you know, physical too, because you get rid of the stuff, those bad habits that you deal with. And atonement, Abba just cleanses all of that. And so in our time, we have a benefit. We don't have to go kill animals. The high priest doesn't have to go kill animals for him and his house. Yahshua cleanses all of that. Abba forgot about it. Abba's not like us. He doesn't throw those old sins right back in our face and says, I remember what you did 25 years ago. He just cleanses it through Yahshua's blood. That's why Yahshua's blood is superior to the blood of animals. And then Yahshua tells us, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake. You know, how many of us, this is, a nice way to say it. Some of us are starving. You, you just, you cannot wait for the kingdom of Yahweh because of the situations that you have to deal with. So the number one question many ask is, how do I overcome sin? You're talking about how sin deceives me and so on and so forth and how I commit certain sins and, you know, they, there's a barrier between you know, me and Yahweh. Go to Romans chapter 12. This is minimum. Yahweh gives us minimum requirements. For those Gentiles there uh, that were trying to learn about Torah, they told them, you know, stay away from fornication and strangled animals and so on. That was minimum. Yahweh gives us minimum requirements. Once you meet the minimum requirements, then what? Then you're called on to do more. Romans 12, 1 and 2, dedicated service to Yahweh, it says here in the RSB. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of Elohim, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to Elohim, which is your reasonable service. 
And how do you overcome sin? And be not conformed to this world. Don't be worldly. Don't imitate worldly things. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of Elohim. Easier said than done, right? Well, that's why you get the Holy Spirit to help you with these things. That's why you communicate, as it says in that verse, on a regular basis. Call somebody, email them, do it the old-fashioned way, write them a letter, send them a postcard. How you doing? Everything all right? Yes. Okay, fine. That's great. Um, if you, you know, for some people, they cannot make it here. I understand that. They cannot make it here because of their health. And others, they just... You know, the finances haven't allowed them. And so Abba understands the situations and we understand. But keep in mind that all those feasts that you didn't show up, and it's not just here at YRM. Anywhere where you can keep a feast with a sacred name group, you know, with similar beliefs, you're just missing out on all that fellowship. Like when you don't see a family member for 20, 30, I had a cousin, just spoke to him maybe a year ago, 30 years, I didn't see that cousin of mine, that's a long, long time, and so there's a lot of catching up, and so it's good, you know, uh, that's why Abba puts emphasis, it's not us here, it's not the ministers here, it's Abba in his word, what does he say, three times in a year, come and fellowship. Spend time together. He knows people are busy. He knows that farmers have to travel far from where they were at. They had a lot of possessions. He already knows all that. And so that's why Abba tells us, you know, keep, you know, constant communication. You know, it is paramount, if you would. Other ways... People want to know, you know, I, I got these issues. What do I do? How do I do it? Where do I start? You start by reading your scriptures every day. You need to read the scriptures every day. We got devices where we can have our scriptures on there. Uh, there's some where you can listen to the word being read back to you. A lot of times that helps, you know, more than reading it. You listen to it. So plenty of devices, especially the book of John. I recommend that one. It's a beautiful book. And uh, it's awesome in Spanish, too, when I get to listen to it. So read the word or listen to the word. For me, one of these that uh, from, you know, coming up in a big city, do not hang around with the wrong crowd. If you're a young person... You know, you got sometimes people, they seem like they're cool and stuff like that. You want to hang out. If it's the wrong crowd, don't do it. I'm not saying that young people are bad, that they're a bad influence. I'm saying that if you know they're a bad influence on you, then why continue in that? That's like that scripture that says, if your eye offends you. If I got people I'm hanging with, they're offensive to me. Why am I going to seek them out to hang with them? Right. At best, cut down on sinning. Like some people, you know, you want to cut out carbs, right, out of your diet. You cut down. 
You sin less. This is one of the sayings that's out there. Another thing. Some of us might not be great at this. I'm definitely not great at this. Listen, much prayer and also fasting helps. This last one was a little bit tough at the end there. I mean, I was still kind of dizzy at the end there. But uh, if fasting is not an option, you don't have to do. Who says you have to do 24 hours? For unleavened bread, you do. From the ninth, you know, for the end of the ninth to the to the tenth. But any other time, if you wish to fast, you can do six hours, four hours. You could start out like that, and it helps. It helps out a lot. And uh, you know, sin is like those spores that are in the air. They just they're just there. You know, you leave something out there, and it gets fermented. That's that's how sin is. There's a quote there. It talks about, you know, at first, sin is a visitor. You let it hang around, then it becomes the master of the house. So that's how we got to deal with stuff. Let's go to James 1.13. Here's another thing that we have to do. We have to come to the realization. James 1.13. We know, we know a lot of people out there, they're suffering. They're going through tough situations. So what's one of the first things some people do when they're going through a tough situation, they start blaming and pointing fingers, right? You guys, you are like this or you are like that. James 1, let's take verses 13, 14, and 15. It happens, you know, we get upset, we get frustrated. Sometimes we have to write the ship. Somebody has to come to us and tell us, hey, listen. You know, just calm down. Things will get better. James 1, 13, 14, and 15. It says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of Elohim. For Elohim cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. So there it is. Each one is enticed when he is drawn away by his own desires. Sometimes there's outside influences, but then since there's certain things that, you know, sometimes you gravitate to, then the evil one will just put it out there for you. He'll just whisper in your ear. It just, you know, that looks good. You know, like maybe there's some food you shouldn't be eating, right? Or stuff that we watch or stuff that we listen to. But it sounds good. You know, it seems good. That's the thing about the deceitfulness in the heart. Things sound good. Maybe like a false doctrine. Man, that doctrine sounds good. I just can't prove it from the scriptures. That's the only thing, right? So... You know, this man, Moses, we read about Moses. He was great. He was a great man. What about the Apostle Paul? He was great too. Some people like to put them against each other, right? They each had huge roles to play in the scriptures. But I want to bring in Peter. I want to, I want to, let's compare these three, right? You know about Moses. You, you heard about him. You read about him. You know, you know Paul too. Paul was, man, he was awesome. He was great. He was handpicked. 
by the Messiah. I mean, he taught him. He was like at Gamaliel's feet, and he was at Yahshua's feet. So you can't get better than that. So how about Peter? Let's go to Acts chapter 4. We find it interesting. You remember Acts chapter 2, right? When uh, Peter gave this, he gave this great sermon, right? At Pentecost. Well, how about Acts chapter 4? We'll take verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Let's do those. Acts chapter 4. Peter and John addressed the Sanhedrin, right? And as they spake unto the people, the priests, keep in mind, the priests, that's supposed to be people of Yahweh, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Yahshua the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word and believed, and the number of the men was 5,000. So that's more than Acts chapter 2. And this is coming through Peter and, and the other one. And uh, interesting, who was the one that was upset in that situation? The priests were annoyed that uneducated fishermen were teaching Torah and gaining followers. Does that sound familiar today? You got ministers, they look at you and they say, who are you? You're teaching scriptures? Give me a break. They get upset. So that's another deceitfulness there. You have a little bit of knowledge. Maybe you went to a school, you were taught scriptures. Somebody comes along, they teach something different. They teach Yahshua, they teach a different name. They teach different feast days. And you get upset rather than going to the word and saying, wow, maybe they got a point. I don't know. I got to double check it. You know, like our, like, our, like our friends from the Baptist that are double checking the scriptures for the feast days. They're doing it. Like the Baptists that are keeping the Shabbat. Like those brothers that are keeping the same feast we're keeping. At the same time we're keeping. They just don't have the names yet. So consider, even with all these great feats. Moses, parting of the Red Sea. You got Paul, he preached these great sermons. He set up all these assemblies, Right? Well, just like us, they fell short of the glory of Yahweh. Now, sure, Paul was blameless. And, you know, Moses, speaking about Moses, what happened to him? What's one thing that happened to him? He lost his temper. He didn't make it into the promised land. He was told, speak to the rock, and he hit the rock. So that was disrespecting Yahshua right there. So there it is. The wrath of man does not accomplish the will of Yahweh. When you lose your temper and you're trying to explain something to somebody, it might not, you know, bear the fruit that is necessary, you know. And we repent of that, sure, you know. What about Job? Job lost everything. Could you, as a parent yourself, you lose all your children? And as a husband, your wife says, just curse Yahweh and die. 
Abba gave him double. What does it say in the end, right? He blessed him double. So all these saints, sure, they fell short of the glory of Yahweh, but they practiced true repentance. We don't always read about it in there. Like Abraham, you think he repented after he lied? Of course he repented. And we know why he, you know, told that lie. He was protecting his life. So, and of course, if he was going to be the, you know, father of the faithful, then how is he going to do that if, you know, if he dies, you know, ahead of time? Or a different way that Abba wanted. So again, yeah, these, these saints, they have their faults, just like we have our faults. It's hard to imagine in the scriptures that you got priests that call on the name of Yahweh that are upset that somebody else is preaching Yahshua the Messiah. Very hard to believe. But see, the word still went forth and it accomplished its will. And you don't read there that, that Peter, you know, that he lost his cool and, and whatever. No, he just, he went ahead with the process. You know, when they were in prison, I think it was Paul and another one. They were singing in the prison. <laughs> and some of the apostles, they were happy. They're like, you know what? Yeah, it's good. I'm glad they beat us because at least we're doing the right thing. So, and we were talking about that in the study. You know, people that are in jail, not everybody that's in jail is guilty. You got, you got people that believe in Yahweh that are in jail. And we don't know all the reasons why, but so we got to, you know, pray for them uh, that Yahweh, you know, helps them out. So another way to overcome sin, forsake our ways. Our ways, the way we want to do things. I remember, I, man, it was just, this minister tells me, you know, I think Yahweh wants me to do my own thing. When I heard that, I couldn't believe it. How about once his minister to do his own thing? No, that's deceitfulness of sin right there. You're listening to voices in your head, you know. We need to do the will of Yahweh. That's what we need to do. That's why we check the scriptures. Is this right what I'm doing? Is this right what I'm saying? Is it right how I'm presenting is? So Yahweh was, is, and will continue to be what his people need of him when we need it. Especially in these last times. Um, well, I mean, just look to the apostles. Just look uh, when the temple was destroyed there in Jerusalem. Are we going to sit here and think that Abba didn't help his people? I mean, Yahshua warned them, right? Yahshua gave us the warning. When you see these things happen, flee. You know, don't go latching on to your material things. Just get out of there. You know, preserve your life, right? Sometimes that's what you do. A lot of times we don't have to sit there and get into a confrontation. We just, like Abraham and Lot. The herdsmen were fighting. Abraham said, you know what? Just take the best land and I'll take whatever is left over. You know, I'm not going to worry about that. That's humility right there. Humility. So, in times of despair, are you, are you frustrated right now? Seriously? Answer this. Are you frustrated right now? Are you angry right now? Maybe, maybe, just maybe. 
Somebody lied to you. Somebody you trusted. They lied to you. Well, go to Abba. That's what he's there for. Right? We need to seek Abba on a daily basis. Let's go to, let's go to Isaiah. Beautiful uh, verse in Isaiah. There's even a song about this. I haven't heard it in a while. But uh, Isaiah, you go to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. And I got verses 6 and 7. I want to read it from a different version. Uh, I don't know. Uh, if you're reading from the King James, my song just a pinch different. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, it said, So you should look for Yahweh before it is too late. You should call to him now while he is near. Evil people should stop living evil lives. They should stop thinking bad thoughts. They should come to Yahweh again and he will comfort them. There it is. You're angry, you're frustrated. They should come to our Elohim because he will freely forgive them. Everybody has sinned. If we get angry, we lose our cool, as it said there, and we, we're not doing the will of Yahweh, then it's a sin to us, right? We, we can come to Almighty Yahweh with humble hearts. We can come to Almighty Yahweh with humble hearts. And he will freely forgive. He's not going to hold old sins against you. That's not how he works. And then, you know, for those people that are busy, 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 you're busy like a bee running around 24-7 until the Sabbath. If we think we're busy, how much busier is Yahweh dealing with prayer requests, even from those outside of our faith? I could just imagine, just think about it. Because, <laughs> you know, Abba never sleeps. Right? We need sleep. We need a few hours of sleep at least a day. He never sleeps. And so think about it. When it's nighttime here, it's daytime somewhere else. And people are out there praying to him. Asking for guidance. Asking for truth. Asking for whatever it is they need. You know, when it was... Day of Atonement, there was a, there's a quote there in that book. It talks about during the Day of Atonement, we realize that there's people that don't need a Day of Atonement. And I'm speaking to being hungry 24-7. They don't have food. They don't have water. <laughs> They're going through Days of Atonement on a regular basis. And not because they want to, because that's the situation that they're in. And so we do our best. We try to help how we can. Um, a lot of times you can't help with finances. You can help with prayer. You know? You can join someone in a fast. So again, you know, we think we're busy. Oh, I'm busy, busy, busy. Well, what about Abba Yahweh? You think he's not busy? And then putting up with, you know, a lot of things that go on. One thing is for sure, living a life of sin will not bring us salvation. You can put that to the test. You think that living a life of sin will bring you salvation? You think because a government official gave you a piece of paper and tells you go on ahead and keep on sinning, you think that that's going to get you into the kingdom of Yahweh? Think again. 
that's not what the scripture says. That might be what so-and-so over there said, whispered in your ear. But that's not what the scripture says. Let's go over to Second Peter. I got a couple more scriptures, Brother Javon. A couple more scriptures. I'll read uh, Second Peter. And then I got a couple, three references. Second Peter to chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. Maybe you might have guessed it by now, but Peter is definitely my favorite book. Second Peter 3, we take verses 15, 16, and 17. We'll take those. It says, And account the long-suffering of our Master salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all epistles, speaking in them these things, in which some things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unable, they twist, as also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, beware lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. And let's take 18 also while we're here. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Master and Savior, Yahshua Messiah, to Him be glory both now and forever. Wanted to key in on a few things here. Verse 17, Peter says, Beware lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. It's almost like he's repeating Hebrews 3.13. He says that Paul spoke about certain things and people took those scriptures and they twisted them. And then he also said there, um, to account the long suffering of our master as salvation. So, Yahshua learned obedience by the things he suffered. You ask yourself, you know, why? Why did he have to suffer? He didn't do anything wrong. Well, that's how Abba taught him. He put him through some trials. So, you know, Yahshua had an exalted position, but now he comes down here. He has to experience, you know, the stuff we go through. And so, so that's how he learned, and he learned to obey. But it tells us to grow in grace. To grow in grace. How, you, how do you grow in grace? How do you grow in favor? It says, and in the knowledge of our master. One commentator says to grow in grace or favor is to grow in humility. Maybe you were in another organization. Maybe you were strong in certain areas. You know, in another affiliation, you know, and then you come to know Yahweh and you say, wow, man, all those things I learned, shucks, I wasted my time, you know. Things could have been a lot simpler, you know. The way Abba does it is a lot simpler. It's kind of strange to us, but it's a lot simpler than the way man does it. So growing in humility, that's how you grow in grace with Almighty Yahweh. You acknowledge, Abba Yahweh, you are great, you are powerful, you're so high above us, we cannot attain these things. But yet Yahshua comes and he shows us that we could. You know, first, you know, you love your neighbor, then you learn 
how to love Almighty Yahweh. So there's no doubting that we got to grow in humility. All the apostles grew in stature the more they acknowledged the things that Abba did through them. You see how humble the men were? They go to Yahshua, they're like, man, you know, look, we did all these great things, you know. And they acknowledge that, you know, it was through Yahweh that they did these things. Yahweh helped them. How about three, three examples? Three examples of growing in favor and growing in stature. Genesis 6, 8, if you want to write it down, Genesis 6, 8, Noah found favor in the eyes of Yahweh. That's kind of hiding over there, right, in the first book. 1 Samuel 2.26, And the young Shemuel was growing in stature and was in favor with Yahweh and also with men. And last but not least, the master himself, Luke 2.52, And Yahshua increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with Elohim and men. So they pleased Yahweh, but they also did things they were supposed to do, uh, you know, in man's eyes to be validated. So all these men kept Torah, except for Yahshua, they repented. Yahshua didn't need to repent. They loved Yahweh and they loved their fellow man. The kingdom is coming. We have to do our best to be ready. You want to get a taste, come to Feast of Tabernacles. Hallelujah. May Almighty Yahweh bless you. Thank you so much for your attention for your time. I hope that these words have been a blessing and a help to anyone and everyone.